All right, this is Price Archery and Hunting. Uh, this is going to be episode number four. I'm here with my buddy Sean Smith. Um, Sean, how are you doing tonight, man? I'm doing great. Doing great. Thanks for having me. Definitely, definitely. Um, well, why don't, uh, for anyone who doesn't know you, why don't you give a little background on uh, on your deal right now as a bow hunting pro staff with Hoyt and I, your your hunting kind of journey, how it all started for you, how you got to where you are right now. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, just like anybody else, I started hunting with, you know, my father, stepdad, um, you know, and, and just grew the love for the outdoors. Um, started hanging around the shop for years. I was, you know, back when the original owners had it. Um, back before Tom and Barbara bought it and Tim. Oh, bought really? It. Yeah, really. Okay. So it's been a minute. Yeah, it's been it's <laughs> been a long while. Um, but uh, you know, there was just something about archery hunting that always kind of drew me in. Mm-hmm. And uh, probably around 2012 ish is when it really took off for me um, in regards to backpack hunting um, and stuff like that. Um, you know, I uh, hunted Arizona for the first time in 2012 and, and ended up killing a 114-inch coos deer, which at the time went top 10 Pope and Young. Damn. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it, it was pretty much that that really lit the fire for me. I mean, I killed multiple animals before that. But, yeah. But that was definitely the one that lit the fire on uh, doing everything I can to kill big animals. Um kind of did some of the shop shooting stuff for a little bit shooting the target that wasn't really my forte Mm -hmm. um wasn't something i enjoyed much i mean you know i did it but it just wasn't you know i'd rather be on a mountain somewhere so understandable. uh, (laughs) so uh you know i uh, got contacted by matt davis from hoyt back in 2015 and uh been with them ever since um since then matt left and went over to mountain ops i'm sure you know mm-hmm. um and now the new coordinator who is actually a good personal friend of mine uh evan williams um you know now he's the staff manager for hoyt and we've had a great working relationship ever since that's awesome um and then of course you have george sensabaugh who you guys oh, know yeah. at the shop george is great man. so you know i do a lot of dealings with him as well yeah um but that's kind of how it how it evolved in terms of you know being part of the Hoyt staff yeah um, outside of that you know I'm part of Kafaro International staff um, mm-hmm. I've been with them since 2013 um, Aaron Snyder a good friend of mine um, and then uh, I do a lot of stuff with First Light Kit and Carruth. Um he was actually born and raised in uh, Prather Oh, okay. Which a lot of people don't know that. Um, so, you know, there's kind of local ties there, um, which is kind of cool. And uh, then I am also involved with Swarovski Optic, doing yeah. uh, doing a lot of stuff with them. So, yeah, it, it just just kind of all fell together, man. Um, all the pieces and just just came together, stars aligned, and and it's worked out, you know. Yeah, no, that's kind of cool too because I, I think a lot of people see that online with people and wonder how you get to that place and it's it is kind of good to know there's no necessarily no secret sauce there it's just kind of a 
No, I think the secret sauce is keeping your nose down and, and working. You know, everybody, yeah. you know, wants to be what I call Insta famous or, you know, posting pictures. And, yeah. and, and, and a lot of guys will post pictures of, you know, the same buck, just six different pictures or, or, okay. you know, do, do certain things to get their name out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, or, you know, guys will try to get on with any, any company they can, you know. Right. And, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of that here locally. Um, I've seen a lot of it on social media. Um, but, you know, when it comes down to it at the end of the day, um, what companies are looking for is brand loyalty. Yeah, I mean, you've got to so believe in it. That's you've the thing. And, uh, you know, you, you can't promote something when the muffler on the UPS truck is still warm, if you know what I mean. <laughs> um, you know, I've seen guys, you know, say this is the best pack in the world. Well, wait, you've had it a week. What have you hauled in it? You know, or, <laughs> or uh, you know, guys that have tried to get on with certain companies. I'm not going to name drop anybody, but, you know, and, and they get denied. And next thing you know, they're with another and that's the best company ever you know so yeah. brand loyalty goes a long ways in this industry and that's understandable and, and yeah. you know people don't understand that they think you know it, it's owed to them well i mean they don't know anybody anything you know it's 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 what can you do for them yeah you know yeah i mean it um it's funny what you say about Instagram and what people are posting too. There's something that like I, I noticed from a lot of people that I've never seen from you. And it's the, the thank you for all my free stuff. Yeah. Watch me unbox it, everybody. And yeah. it's like, no, I, what I see from you is, is, Hey, I'm, I'm 15 miles in right now. And I love this glass because it's getting the job done today. And you know, exactly. It's it's cool to see it like that as opposed to just yeah, and, everybody. <laughs> and that's that's a big thing. I mean, you know, like I said, you you know, I laugh all the time. You know, like I said, the you know, Aaron Snyder actually is the one that came up with the analogy that the muffler on the UPS truck is still warm. He's you know, got a and, lot of analogies, and, and you know. <laughs> You know, he and I were, were at a show in Reno having this discussion and, and uh, you know, it just made sense. You know, it, a lot of guys, oh, this is the best. Well, why is it the best? Tell me why. Yeah. Well, you can't. You know, I, I uh, had a conversation with, uh, a, he's, he's a friend of mine, uh, more of an acquaintance on Instagram, lives in Utah, and he uh, got on the kick of this pack's the best. Well, wait. Last week you said this pack was the best, you know, so it's just one of those when you actually use something and you believe in it, it shows and I won't promote something I don't believe in. You know, I've been everywhere from Alaska to Arizona, Colorado, New Mexico. Um, you know, I've, I've done a lot of things and, and if I'm using it, it's because I believe in it. There's a reason behind it. Yeah. And, uh, the companies that I've been fortunate enough to partner with, um, are what I feel the best of the best in the industry. Yeah. And I mean, it, when you connect excellent cover customer service with that, that, that grabs brand loyalty for people. It, it 
you know, I see that with, I see that with Hoyt. I see that with PSE. I see that with a lot of companies now are really stepping up customer service. And, uh, well, like when, when I discussed with you uh, a few years back now, wanting to get into backpack hunting, um, you connected me. I believe you were the one actually to connect me with Aaron Snyder um, at Kafaru. Mm-hmm. And um, whoever it was that got in my ear and convinced me to spend the good money on the pack first and go from there, um, I talked with him and the customer service and help I got from him, you know, at that point, knowing his, he, he, this was, you know, after the podcasts and everything really started blowing up and he had a big following and he didn't have to take my call, man. Mm-hmm. And considering how many days that guy's on a mountain too, uh, I was blown away that he did. And not only that, he, he, he called me back every time I had a question and he, uh, he, FaceTime with me, helped me set my pack up properly when, you know, I had some weird little issue, just wasn't set right. And five minutes, you know, and that got me for life now. Oh yeah. No, you know, I'm... and it, that's, that stuff's solid gold, man. I love that customer service. <laughs> exactly. And, and I think that's, you know, what people don't realize is, you know, it, it all comes down to customer service, no matter what what company it is um you hear of horror stories from you know certain companies and yeah and then you hear stories like that and you know uh, personally knowing them as well as i do um you know it doesn't surprise me that's that's how they are mm-hmm. um you know they'll give give you the shirt off their back more or less they'll do whatever it takes to make sure their product is performing how it should yeah and you are happy with the product you have yeah yeah i mean that's <laughs> says dividends oh yeah you know yeah definitely i mean yeah it's it's paid off for me and you know i'm i feel lucky to have guys like you and other guys who are experienced in backpack hunting or or whatever new aspect of hunting i want to get into you know and it's great to get connected with those companies because I, I would have been lost for sure. I wouldn't have known where to go. Yeah. And it, it's it's tough, too, because there, there, there is a lot of content out there. And there's a lot of it that you can get lost in, too. Oh, and yeah. just go off the rails and not, you know. I, I tried, you know, I tried doing a, a bare minimums backpack hunting podcast with a friend you know, going over just what you need, in my opinion, to survive on your first short trip. Mm-hmm. And uh, and part of that was because of how much I've seen online that it's hard to have these conversations, especially with someone like you, because immediately you can go so deep and technical into gear that I, I think a lot of people new to it kind of get lost. Well, and that's the thing. I mean there's a major learning curve there that people don't understand. You know, they'll go on a forum, um, read a book, um, Mm -hmm. whatever the case may be. And, and, you know, some of those are very informational and, and you can get what I consider a base set, you know, of things you do need. Um, I think people's biggest flaws, they overpack. Um, you know, they, they overthink, 
Um, you know, too many, they, they throw in too many variables. They scare themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and fortunately for me, I was able to kind of cheat my way in it. Um, I had multiple assets um, to utilize in terms of people to talk to. Okay. And so, I mean, I still had a lot to learn, but my starting point was well ahead of most people's. Okay. Um, yeah. You know, learning little tricks and, and things you can do, you know, because most people will think, okay, seven days and they'll pack everything but the kitchen sink, mm-hmm. you know, and you you don't need to do that. I yeah. mean, there is things you do need. All, all hunts vary. You know, if you're backpack hunting Alaska or you're backpack hunting Arizona... You're going to have much different items, you know, for for the terrain, for the climate, mm-hmm. you know, and everything else. Time of year is a big factor. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of variables that play in there, but I think everybody gets set on just one specific list. Um, they don't look at the big picture, you know. Yeah. Um, I wrote an article... Uh, Oh God, it was probably a year or two ago um, on layering, but it was referring to clothing being utilized for two things, you know, in other words, you know, your rain jacket also being used as a windbreaker while you're glassing, your puffy jacket being utilized as a pillow. Yeah. You know, there's, there's a lot of things that, you know, you can learn over time. Um, you know, it, it makes a big difference. You know, you can, you can make a pile when you get back from a trip and I guarantee you, you put, you know, put everything you don't use on one side of a line. It'll probably be a quarter of what you brought or more, you know, um, you know, it, it just, you know, things as simple as socks, you know, there's what, six, eight ounces right there. You know, people will bring two, three, four pairs of socks. That's so funny and, you say that because that is something we I just talked about in that other podcast. Uh, one of my one of my friends that was one of his questions to me. You know, how many how many pairs do you bring? And um, I uh, I was talking to him, and I'm like, "Well, man, I I I bring two. You know, he's like, "Really? Because I was bringing four. Yeah. And, or four or five or something like that. And I'm like, well, yeah, man. I mean, I, I bring the pair I wear in and I bring that extra pair just in case something crazy happens and I can't dry off that first pair if they get soaking wet or something, mm-hmm. you know. And, um, and not to talk about the same thing over and again, but, you know, merino wool, I don't need to tell you about it, obviously. Exactly. Um you know, you learn each little thing, even when it comes to clothing. And I, this year for me, that was a big deal because I, I probably cut a solid 10 pounds at least, Mm -hmm. which is insane to think that, um, even the level I was a year ago, uh, physically going in with an extra 10 pounds. I was like thinking, man, I probably, 
I, I probably killed a lot of good hunting time from that alone, just being tired, wanting to sleep in mm-hmm. a little more. And it, I think there's a lot to be said for that. No, there is. And, you know, it goes back to the old saying, ounces make pounds, pounds make pain, you know. <laughs> and, and you know, I, I carry, so as far as socks, I take in one extra pair. Um, yeah. You know, and then I'll take in one pair of Moreno boxers. Mm-hmm. And that's it. You know, as as far as, you know, that stuff goes, um, I will dehydrate baby wipes, throw them in a Ziploc bag, and then I'll rehydrate them with my water. Pour some water on it, really? Yep. And uh, That's and do it that genius. Way. Oh, my God. And, I never uh, even thought of that. Yep. <laughs> I got that heavy little brick of wet baby wipes. I, I, I take, like, half of it, and I put it in Ziplocs. Yeah. Yeah, see, it's, <laughs> I mean, I'd be bullshitting you if I didn't say that. You know, every once in a while I don't do that. If it's a short trip, yeah, yeah. I'm not putting in that effort. Right, right. Um, but, you know, anything anything long, I, I do what I can to cut the weight. Yeah. Well, and, and with that, too, you definitely – it takes a few times in the field and a few times going out to learn. You, you really learn a lot about yourself every time. So you know, you know what, I can I, – this trip is only three days and it's only a couple miles from the truck. I can have an extra two pounds and not worry about oh, it. Oh, God. You know, two, two miles from the truck, I'd take the kitchen sink. <laughs> take That's, the damn yeah, truck. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I, uh, I think the closest I did in Colorado, I think it was about a three miles into camp. Really? I loaded everything I wanted. Just yeah. loaded up. So that's three miles. It's like 3,000 foot in elevation gain. Uh-huh. I just loaded up and said, forget it. <laughs> yeah, I can understand that too. I mean, anything to make make those nights you know, sleep a little better or anything. Well, to, that's the thing. Any, you know? any kind of comfort you can bring yourself is worth it. You know, and that's what a lot of people don't understand too. They, they get this ego or... Uh, you know, whatever it is. And, and <laughs> they think they're this, you know, macho individual and, and just try to rough it. And hell, there's, there's no reason. There is yeah. no reason. You know, I think, uh, I think a lot of it has to do with the ego, the ultralight guys, you know, 2,500 cubic inch pack and minimalist stuff. I, <clears throat> I mean, teach their own. That's yeah. not my cup of tea, you know? If you're thriving when you do that, great. But why, I why make yourself struggle? Too, well, that's the thing. Know? I mean, I've been successful ninety nine percent of the time, um, and it's not because I went light. You know, yeah. it's there's there's no reason. You know, I I know their argument is you know cover more ground. You can do this. You can do that. But can you really <laughs> though? Like you're when you change your struggle from i i would rather struggle to chase the animals than struggle to get to base camp oh exactly and uh or to survive at base camp i mean yeah so that's that's where people the ultralight thing is mainly for guys who are bivy hunting you know moving Mm -hmm. every day Okay, that um, makes sense. You know, chasing elk and, and right. sleeping in elk beds, whatever the case may be. Where me, normally I'm packing in somewhere, sleeping on a ridge, sleeping in, you know, I won't ever sleep in a basin. Mm-hmm. But, you know, 
sleeping on the mountain somewhere where, uh, you know, I'm hunting from there. Right. So, you know, taking in 50, 60 pounds is no problem. Yeah. You know, you get in there, drop camp, you know, and your pack's back around 10, 15 pounds. You know, it, it just depends. Um, well, no, wait, wait a minute now. No problem for you. 50, 60 pounds might be a problem for me. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're built a little better for that than I am, but I get exactly what you're saying. <laughs> and I mean, it's just, it's just the learning curve. You know, it's, it's what, yeah. what you can endure, you know, right. and, and, you know, you're not going to be comfortable. You're going to be wet. You're going to be miserable. It's going to suck. Mm-hmm. But... There is not one time I've ever left a hunt and not wanted to be right back on the mountain. As miserable, as wet, whatever. Yeah. You know, um, it, it's just something about the experience you find yourself. You know, in you know Colorado, you know, on sitting on peaks at fourteen thousand feet. You know. Yeah. And and you know, or in Alaska, you know, being. You know, I think when I went on my caribou hunt, I was 270 miles north of the Arctic Circle, you know, and, and just being up there, you know, in that country. And, and it's just stuff that your your normal person won't ever experience. Yeah. And and it's, it's not that they can't. Mm-hmm. It's just that they don't have the drive when it comes right. down to it. Um but uh, uh it it just makes it all worth it i yeah i think there's something to be said about that for sure cuz it i think that was such a big draw for me um i i love hunting i love the idea of having of getting my own meat i i love every aspect of it um there there is a draw to me seeing the guys like on social media or wherever that I know they're not they're they're posting pictures of what they love and what they're passionate about and seeing uh, even what you post hiking out you know in Alaska with this big old head on your pack and meat stuffed full you know Mm -hmm. it seeing that you know amps me up and makes me really want to do it and and just like you said it it's almost a weird feeling going back into civilization afterwards, like driving back in and starting to see people. It's like, I, I get so amped up just from that alone. And it makes me want to turn around and go back. Exactly. And be like, yeah. It's be like, I don't, I don't belong out here right now. I need to be back on that mountain. Exactly. And, uh, you know, it's, it's so easy for people to just throw in the towel, you know, um, you know, and, and next thing you know, they're three hours into their drive home, sipping on a Mountain Dew, you know, it, 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 when, when, you know, instead of just grinding it out and, and having the mental fortitude or mental toughness to just stick it out, Yeah. you know, and, and, you know, I've had hunts to where I've, I've almost broken down. I mean, my last hunt in Colorado, you know, um, I was, I was starting to get there. Yeah, let's you let's know. jump into that. Let's. <laughs> yeah, this we can. is uh, this is what every um, if you know Sean, um, Hoyt has reposted this. There's there's some there's an awesome picture from that hunt. Um, let's hear the story, man. 
Um, let's see. Well, Colorado was a pretty much a solo backpack hunt. Um, I ended up, fortunately, I was able to meet up with a buddy of mine um, I hunted with for two days. He was actually there the day I killed my buck. But outside of that, it was a solo backpack hunt. Um, I was there for two weeks, mm -hmm. 12 days, whatever it was. Um, ended up putting in miles and miles. And like I said, I just, I was breaking down, you know, wanting to throw in the towel. Multiple times I called the fiance up and just said, oh man. And of course she had the, don't be a, don't be a pussy and get it done <laughs> attitude, which, which was nice. Um, that's good to have. Yeah, I mean, no, mine, it was, mine would have been like, I don't give a shit. Come home. Go yeah, no, stay. Mine I don't was, really care what you mine do. Was, mine was a big pusher, which I mean, I don't, I, I would have stuck it out anyways, but it was nice to have that support at home. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so yeah, I, uh, I got on a couple bucks, you know, I set a goal for 180 is what I set a goal for. I, I wanted a 180 inch buck. Okay. And, uh, you know, I've, I've been in the one seventies, one fifties, you know, but one eighty, that's, that's kind of, you know, a, a next level in my perspective on, you know, another mm -hmm. level of matureness of a deer, you know, they, they get big for a reason. And, uh, yeah. so, um, as far as the hunt went, it was probably one of the tougher hunts I've ever done over there and I've hunted this unit for I don't know three or four years now and uh came across two two bucks of the caliber I wanted they were just in spots that they were unkillable okay. um you know they they were timbered up not coming above timberline not bedding above timberline they were staying in the timber they'd feed out a little bit and go right back in and and, uh, you know, so I ended up covering a lot of country. Um, and just had nothing to show for it. Um, I probably put down well over 80, 90 miles on my boots. Oh, you wow. know, between different trailheads and hiking in different places. And, and just trying to turn something up to create an opportunity. You know. And is it, during this time is are you seeing animals that you're passing on animals that are yes I'm I'm seeing I'm seeing what you're looking you for? know younger bucks three and a half year old four year old bucks um, you know little four by fours you know just I had a set goal yeah you know and that was that was my thing was I was going home with a tag or I was going home with you know, with what I wanted. That was my mindset. I had, I and had the days in the hunt to do it and I was by myself. And, uh, so I, I held myself to that standard. Okay. Yeah. I mean, uh, not to sidetrack too far from that, but that's one thing it, I don't understand why you see that hate for that online too. When people are like, I, I would never pass on anything. Well, it's even I would say, I would argue that it's even harder to go on a trip knowing that you're going to go home empty-handed and pass on something you know when you're not seeing what you want. I mean I well see and I I think their their argument is invalid. Um 
you know, and, and what I'm referring to is harvesting the most mature animal you can. Yes. So, you know, I don't want to shoot a three-year-old deer. Yeah. I don't want to shoot a four-year-old deer. And, and ex- for people I, who don't know, I, explain why that, that's such an ethical thing to do. Well, I mean, I mean, you know, there are people that do it. Yeah. And, and, you know, I was one of them, you know, I mean, you get, a deer has great genetics. He'll be 180, 190 inch deer at three, mm-hmm. three and a half years old. Um, but being able to hunt a mature mule deer in his habitat is with a bow is the most amazing experience you can have. It's a whole different It's adventure. a whole different ball of wax. And, yeah. you know, success rates are, are down in the single digits. Wow. Yeah. And so to be able to hunt a mature buck on his terms and his terrain, you know, the antler size, I mean, yeah, that's that can be argued all day long, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Um, but as far as maturity of the buck, that's that's what I really look for. Um, you know, my, my deer was about a five and a half, six year old deer. Um, you know, and, and when they get that old, when they cross their three to four year, so when they go from a three year old to a four year old, they get like another sense in them Uh and they are big for a reason and they are stupid smart. They are resilient. Um, it's not like hunting a normal mule deer. You really? Know. There's, I mean, so for instance, my buck, um, you know, we spotted him at, I don't know, it was probably 9 a.m. Um, by the time I hiked around, so we were probably about a mile, mile and a half away when we glassed him up. And he was with a young fork and horn, two-year-old, year and a half buck. Um, by the time... I hiked over and got on the ridge above him. It was probably probably around six hours it took me to get around to him. You know, it was it was quite a hike through shale fields, had to scale a couple cliffs. Um you know, just just get some through some gnarly terrain, you know, and it was all it was all scree field. Um but finally, when I got over the top of him, um, like I said, I was with my friend, and I had him set an algae bottle out on a rock. Okay. And I said, if the buck's in the same spot, just leave the bottle sitting there. You know, he was about a mile and a half away on the other ridge. And I said, if, you know, he's still there, leave, leave it sitting there. If he moves, take it off. So I was able to look <laughs> back at him with my binoculars, see the algae bottle sitting there. I knew he was still in his bed. Oh, wow. That's... So... Damn. Yeah, see? <laughs> I'd be checking that every five steps. Well, that's That'd the thing, be crazy. though, is, is to get around to him, I had to go around a mountain, side hill, over a pass, side hill, and then climb just to get to him. So I didn't see... Until I was over the top of him, uh-huh. I couldn't see anything. Wow. Um, so got over the top of him, and... Uh, you know, I have a a little process I do just to kind of compose myself before, you know, before, you know, whether it's the final part of my stock or whatever the case may be. So, you know, drop my pack, grab some water, you know, 
collected myself a little bit, got yeah. my heart rate down. Yeah. And uh, came over the top. And uh, actually, I came over in the wrong spot the first time. Arrow knocked. You know, I'm ready to go. Um, back up on top of the ridge a little bit. Come over. Peek back over. First thing I see is the forking horn. He stands up. The wind's swirling a little bit. So I knew he got my scent. Yeah. First thing that went through my mind was shit. They're blowing out. Yep. So forking horn feeds off a little bit. And the big buck, he looks back at me up on top of him. I'm standing there full draw, and all I got is his antlers in his head. And uh, there's a picture on my Instagram of him bedded on a big square rock, and that's where he was. when I had him at 28 yards. Oh, wow. And uh, all I had was his head and his antlers. And I thought, okay, perfect. He stands up. He's done. Yeah. He's done. He didn't stand up. He bound <laughs> out of his bed. He literally leaped out of his bed. Oh, shit. Yeah. So, you know, that's that's where <clears throat> I get to saying they're big for a reason. Yeah. He knew he if knew. he stood up, he would die. Oh, my God. And uh, so he bound out of his bed. I let down. And uh, we had experience with these bucks a few days prior. And some backpackers came in on the ridgeline when they were butted, bedded in the willows and blew them out of the country. So we knew their escape routes. We knew okay. where he wanted to go. So I take off almost in a dead sprint over to his escape route. And I'm on a, a, a cliff just above him, probably, I don't know, 80, 90 feet up above, how, above the trail. How far, how far did you have to take off? Uh, it was probably quarter mile it wasn't that far it's <laughs> uh, still far to me yeah man. <laughs> it was well especially going on it i mean i'm on the spine of the ridge you know just up and down and yeah so yeah i got over to that the cliff that overlooked their escape route and they had a deer trail just pounded in there okay. and uh as soon as i got there the forking <laughs> horn crossed and he stopped right i mean just perfectly and i was able to hit him with the rangefinder at 35 yards and uh perfect that buck's gonna cross right here he's dead so he was he was behind the fork he was he was following the fork and horn perfect yeah and uh so i was waiting 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 nothing 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 i look back towards my buddy i kind of back up off that cliff a little bit and get to where i can look over where my buddy was and i see him running at the mountain it's like okay, perfect. He's gonna he's gonna bump him. Okay, yeah. He's gonna hit the trail and go out. The deer didn't want to leave. He was backed up in a cliff in a cavern. Oh my in the hillside. God. Yeah he he did not want to leave. This deer had a hell of an IQ on he him. He was smart. <laughs> he was a very smart deer. Wow. So he let my buddy get ninety yards from him, and he he just trotted. He didn't want to leave. He go up and look back. You know, and, and finally left. And, and by this time, the wind's blowing 40 miles an hour. I mean, it's just ripping through me. I got a sweatshirt on, a Moreno sweatshirt. So if, if you know Moreno, it doesn't hold up well the wind. Yeah. And, and so I'm sitting there, okay, put this hand in, the, in my pocket, let it warm up. Now this hand, you know, back and forth. And uh, finally, I hear him below me. 
and and I had a few shots with the rangefinder already. I knew as soon as he came out from under my feet, he was 30 yards. And and the trail went up and turned to the left, and there was a big rock there where that forking horn stopped where I got him at 35 yards. I mm-hmm. thought, perfect. So as soon as he came out from under my feet, attached my release, came to full draw and anchor, and I didn't even follow him. I just waited for him to stop you mm-hmm. know and and uh as soon as he stopped i just pinwheeled him at 35 yards um you know and the angle of the shot was i mean almost vertical i blew through his scapula um got both lungs and his heart and the angle was so steep the arrow didn't even blow all the way through it hit the dirt on the other side of him okay and <laughs> and so oh when God. when he ran off um i mean i knew it was a good hit um immediately i uh grabbed my binoculars and watched him and at first he was running the spine of the ridge you know right where i was just just straight out from me and i thought perfect very minimal of a pack out (laughs) we're good and uh so of course you know i text the fiance you know I, i i watch him bed down and uh thought, okay, perfect, I go get my pack. So I backtrack, go get my pack, and uh I come back on the lower side of the cliff now because you know I need to get to him and I yeah. can't rappel down a cliff. <laughs> so I come around side hill, finally get to where their trail was, and uh walk over to where he was first bedded, and he's not there. <laughs> So now I got a thousand things going through my head. You know, did I whiff the shot? Did I, you know, just a thousand things. And when he was when he was running away, I mean, I was just watching blood just squirting out both sides. Oh, okay. And so I knew he was hit hard. I knew he was dead. I just thought he'd be dead sooner. Right, right. right. So I start following the blood. And uh, get over to another bed where he laid down. And my arrow's laying in there. Arrow's got bubbles in it. And, you know, just typical lung hit. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. You know, we're getting somewhere. Now where's he at? So I start seeing... You, when you walk in this shale, it's it, you take one step and you slide five feet. Oh, yeah. And... uh so he had just bulldoze marks going downhill. And I thought, oh, shit. Okay, here we go. <laughs> so I start going downhill, and about a 1,000 feet under me, I see him just hanging by his antlers in the rocks. Well, what had happened was he got out of that bed and died on his feet and rolled all the way down that hill. Oh, my God. So the way he was laying, he looked like he broke off his G2. Fortunately, he didn't break anything. Oh, wow. That's lucky. Yeah, that, oh was, that was luck. Um, he, uh, when we got down to him, we knew we had a task on getting him out. You know, it was, it was some work. We could actually stand up on the lower side of him and actually be caping him out without bending over. That's how steep it was. <laughs> And, uh, 
So, of course, got down to him and, you know, just got to admire him for a while and yeah. and had to get to work. And, and you know, the, uh, the pack out was fun. Um, you know, I hit the trailhead that morning with limited water. You know, I oh, figured a quick really? trip and didn't bring my water pump. Mm. Didn't plan for it. <laughs> so the pack out, all the way out. It took us three hours to get out of there. No water. Yeah, it was... That was a fun one. Now, is that something you kind of... um, Maybe you just know you can make it through that or your body may be used to going a while without water? Is that something you can prepare for? Yeah, I mean, you can... uh, You'd be surprised what the human body can do. Now, I mean, you have to be smart. I mean, yeah. let's be real. First and foremost, you have to be smart. You can't be an idiot. Um, but uh, you can you can run low on water, mind you. This is with the disclaimer. I mean, don't yeah. don't take my word, but yeah, no, no, don't just go uh, yeah, do it. Just exactly, <laughs> but but I mean. Knowing my situation, mm-hmm. knowing what I am capable of in terms of how long I have gone without water before, um, it wasn't an issue, okay. you know, but, you know, instead of, you know, making it out of there in two hours, it took three, it took a few extra breaks, you know, just, just cruised out, you know, when I got to the truck, I just, I pounded water like there was no tomorrow, Yeah, but, you know... I wasn't going to stop short and risk it in Girardia or Beaver Fever, whatever you want to call it. Um, right. You know, just by scooping a, you know, an algae out of the the pond or the lake, you know, that's maybe a, a mile from the truck. It's not worth it. Right. You know. And uh, so, yeah, we uh, got him out and ended up, uh, he went 181 and a half. So he was, he was right there, right at, right at the mark, man. (laughs) You know, it was, that was a fun one and got him, got him to the trailhead. And, uh, you know, in California, you can't bring back spinal cord or brains or any of that. So caped out and skull capped him right there in the bed of the truck and and Um, drove home through the night. So when you do that on the spot, is it, um, I mean, it is there something specific you have to do to make sure there's zero brain matter left? I mean, no, is it, I, I, when you, you cut them, I, I use a sawzall and no, I just cut them and scoop it out and they're okay. good with it. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's, there's nothing special. Um, the inspection stations are pretty, I mean, it's a serious deal. Chronic waste disease is a serious deal, yeah. but I mean, if you do your due diligence and, and, you know, remove all the brain matter possible, yeah, they're not going to mess with you. Yeah, and I mean, I didn't know till recently that was the reasoning behind it, too. Yeah. And now that I've learned more about that, that's uh, that's some pretty crazy shit. I yeah. Mean. <laughs> and there's a lot of states that have it. Colorado is one of them. You know, they have specific units over there that are known for chronic waste. You know, you also wow. have Blue Tongue and some others that that are just real detrimental to the deer herds for for anyone who doesn't know what what is it that you see it doing to the animals essentially is it 
you know, I've yet to see one in person. Yeah. Uh, but from pictures I've seen, it it reminds me of a mangy dog. Yeah. You know, a dog that gets mange. You know, very similar. Okay, yeah. But, that makes sense. You know, I, I'd be lying if I said I've seen one in person. Yeah, I, I haven't either. And that's kind of the same thing I saw was that that mangy look. And yeah. I mean, I said I've, I've read about it and not crazy in depth, obviously. But, yeah, it's... Um, it's an interesting thing to keep in mind. I mean, another reason we all kind of need to be on the same page as hunters and keep this thing going for ourselves. Exactly. You know. But man, that <laughs> Yeah. What an adventure. Yeah, I mean... it was uh it was uh yeah, that was so I killed him on day 8 my last morning. And wow. uh that is Let's see the second or third year I've killed on the final morning, last day, um, over there in Colorado, you know, mm-hmm. um, just, just when you want to hang it up and you just keep going and, you know, you, 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 archery bow hunting is the most emotional roller coaster that I've ever been on. Yeah. You know, it, it can take you from the lowest of lows to the highest of highs in the snap of a finger. Yeah. You know, I mean... I can't tell you how many hunts I've been down to the wire, down, you know, down on myself. Oh, this isn't going to happen or, or, you know, and the, and the second you start thinking that is the second you're going to be unsuccessful. You start letting the, you start letting it get to you. Yeah. And, and, you know, I've came back from a hunt unsuccessful because of that. And, uh, from that point on, I, I made it a point to where, you know, I, I'm a big believer in, you know, 5% of the people are killing 95% of the deer. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's the guys that are willing to put in the work and, and they don't make excuses. You know, uh, you make your own luck mm-hmm. per se. You know, you're, you're going after, you know, you're going, you're going for opportunities that may not be presented. Right. But you're hoping to make that opportunity present itself if if that makes sense yeah you know being a little more aggressive you know not being able to or not being afraid to climb that mountain or or you know bump bump them out you know bump a deer out into a different bed or you know you don't know unless you try you know and i think that people just get too cautious and uh and you know in turn they don't get opportunity they do get down on themselves and and they come home empty-handed yeah you know it's i i I think of it as uh ignoring that bitch out button you know that bitch out button is huge (laughs) and and there's a lot of people that have it and uh you know i've you know i've been pushed to my limits um my moose hunt in alaska was one of them Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we didn't see an animal for, I think it was 10 days. Didn't see one wow. animal. And uh, talk about a mental mind fuck. That was, pardon my language. Um, no, that you're was, fine. You're fine. That, was, <laughs> uh, that was a tough one. You know? Yeah. So, you know, to know animals are there, but you're not seeing anything. You know, and now knowing what I know about moose hunting, you mm-hmm. know, I understand it. You know, why we weren't seeing the animals, you know, there's, there's a lot of factors that play in there, but 
you know, or, you know, you use in Colorado. I mean, you know, guys will go hit it hard for two or three days and, and they don't realize uh, that terrain will make or break a man. I mean, this stuff here in California is child's play compared to what's over there. Yeah. You know, I mean, I killed my buck at 13.5. Oh, wow. You know, that's... It's hard to find 13.5 out here. <laughs> exactly. I mean, we got, we got what, four 14ers here in California? Yeah. I mean, there's so many 14ers over there, it's sickening. Wow. You know, and, you know, it's just, you know, people will go hard and, and, and they give up. They realize, you know, oh, it's not just going to be handed to me. I'm going to have to work for it. Yeah. And they throw in the towel, you know, and, and I've seen it more times than not, you know, and, and you always hear stupid excuses. I mean, to me, mm-hmm. you know, excuses are ridiculous. Yeah. You know, there is no reason why you couldn't stick it out and you told yourself you're going to do it. Do it. Yeah, and you likely prepared for whatever situation you're trying to use as an excuse too. Exactly. You know it. Yeah, for me, a, a big push was, um, you know, I always, I say it was dumb luck. It was more of a push from somebody that had more mental fortitude in the situation than I did, that got me my first big game kill, and you know that that got me addicted and really opened my eyes to it, and. And it, it helped me get to a place at least where when I know, even if, I, if it's someone, something local here at D7, and if I'm going to go by myself for a few days, I know, you know what, I, you, I, I've, got, I've got a day job, I've got a family, I've got everything else that I give all my time to, and I really love this thing, and this is the three days I have to do it. Well, see, and, and on that tangent... You know, looking at it from the other side, you know, I have a five-year-old little boy at home. Right. You, you have know, to I, stay I have a fiancé <laughs> at home. You, no, but, but you know, like I told her and, and like I tell anybody, you know, uh, when I go to hunt, you know, when I went to Colorado or anywhere, I go to hunt. I don't go to dick off. I don't yeah. go to play. Yeah. I am spending time away from my family with an objective with an objective yeah now i could be at home laying there with my little boy watching a movie or or cuddled with her on the couch Mm -hmm. but instead i'm on the mountain so am i just gonna pussyfoot around and and waste 10 days and not kill anything yeah or am i gonna bust my ass make something happen and get home right you know and that's that's the way i like to look at it you know, is is if you're going to spend time away from your loved ones or your family, don't cheat yourself. Yeah. You know, and, and I think a lot of people use it more as a vacation. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, that's a weird spot to be in, man. And it, it's, I've done it. Um, and I've come off the mountain feeling like total dog shit for not even even if it was a one day deal and not staying an extra couple hours that I know I could have stayed you know once it, you get it in your head <laughs> you're done yeah once once it's there you're fried yeah. period and uh the day before I killed my buck it almost did cuz I did uh 
the day before I killed my buck, I did 16 miles. And uh, I turned up two mediocre bucks, got them within 150 yards before they fed down into the timber. And I didn't want to blow them out of the country, so I didn't go down in there. Yeah. Um, and uh, got back to camp. Uh, grabbed a few things and took off from camp um, to a couple other areas in there. And uh, these areas that I went into, we normally find very mature bucks in, you know. And, and you know, I'm talking bachelor groups of three and four. And, you know, uh, there's always bucks in there. But it's, I mean, just to get in there, you're looking at seven, eight miles. Yeah. So, you know, most people don't put in the work to get in there as often, you right. know. So so you got a good chance going in there and being the only one in there. Well, where I was, I was halfway there. So I trucked over there and didn't turn anything up, nothing. And I picked apart, I picked it apart all day. And, uh, you know, it was at this point that I started to get, like I said, it just... I was pussing out. And uh, so that evening, I uh, got back to camp, and I had cell service. I texted my buddy and asked him if he went in there. Because like I said, the buck I killed, we, we previously found a few days prior where okay. backpackers blew him yeah. out. So I asked him if he ran in there that day, and he said no. As soon as he said no, I was breaking down camp, and I was heading off the mountain, in, you know, at dark. Um, and uh, that kind of gave me a second wind. Okay. Because yeah. being up, you know, it, it was just not turning anything up and being, you know, miles in or whatever the case may be. It It sucks. You know, yeah. and so, <laughs> you know, when, when he and I talked and, and he didn't get that, man, I was loading up my pack as fast as I could. And I was damn near sprinting that four miles out, whatever it was, and, and got to the truck and changed. Felt good to put clean clothes on mm-hmm. and uh, and slept at the trailhead in my truck and yeah. went in that morning, you know, and... uh not Fortunately, we were able to make something happen, you know. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure being the last day was a big push for you too. But it, had it been two days earlier, you had every excuse in the book to to just sleep in and do nothing for a whole day, and you know. Oh yeah. And that that again, when you come down to only a limited window of time to do this. That's a huge loss. We'll see, and, and that's that's what I mean. I see it all the time. Guys will go hunt the morning and go back to camp and sleep. And I mean, I love my naps. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. And hunting high country bucks, you know, it's it's not like it's not like any other kind of hunting. Um, in other words, you know, you find a buck in the morning, you put him to bed, um, you wait for the thermals to change. Mm-hmm. And you go try to kill him, you know, and, 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 uh, when you're trying to kill him, you're kind of trying to beat father time. Cause you know, 
once the thunderheads start moving in, the wind starts swirling. Yes. You know, and and so now, you know, you're you know, the wind's blowing uphill, right? When the thermals hit and and now thunderheads rolling in, the wind starts swirling. So now you're risking your scent blowing down to them. Right. You know, so there's a lot of factors that play in and you know, as far as evening hunting goes, you know, the only evening hunting there really is is finding the buck that you want to stalk the next day you know so i like to stay out there as long as i possibly can yeah and then you know if uh you know i'd rather come back earlier in the evening than than waste you know time in in the late morning early afternoon to take go take a nap you know it just you know, it doesn't make sense to me to do that. Like I said, I'm I'm over there to do something. I'm over there to get something done. You know, and and being lazy isn't cognizant of it. It, it doesn't yeah. it doesn't help the situation. You know, I'm away from my family, away from everyone I love. You know, to do this, and and you know, fortunately they put up with it. Well, I need to. You know hold up my end of the deal too and put in the work yeah you know so um you know i i think i think that's a very big aspect in anybody's success absolutely i mean i we can circle this through mental fortitude here and um let, let me stop this section or this segment here and start the next one and um I, with what we're talking about, kind of staying mentally strong through your hunts, I kind of want to get into what goes on with you in Alaska and kind of what, what you go through there. Oh, man. So, <laughs> all right, let's do that real quick. Uh, there we go. Okay. So, so yeah, I mean, let's keep this rolling here. Um, let, let's... However you want to jump into Alaska, I mean, hey, I, I want to you just ask away, it. man. You um, ask away. Well, okay, well, let's start from the beginning with that. I mean, that that's kind of bucket list for me. So, okay. Um, if, from, maybe from your first trip doing it, how did you get started into all of it? So, my first trip to Alaska was actually a doll sheep hunt. Oh, okay. uh, in 2013, I went on an archery doll sheep hunt with, uh, he's actually a good friend of mine now, um, Jonah Stewart. And uh, I ended up connecting on a ram, but not bringing him home. Oh, man. Yeah, that was... That was a hard trip. Then. Oh, that was that was a tough trip. And, uh, you know, it... But during that trip... I gained a lot of knowledge on Alaska, you know, from, uh, you know, people that live there, um, Jonah, who's an outfitter up there, you know, just, I was able to gain a lot of knowledge and, and, yeah. and, and when you hunt there, it's especially bow hunting over there. It's a different feeling when you're not at the top of the food chain. You know, when you're waking up with grizzly bears or big brownies, you know, 50, <laughs> 60 yards out of camp. Oh, man. Um, you know, I had I had one bear at 60 yards, and uh, he's sitting there snapping his jaws, pounding the ground at us, and he just wanted to charge. And 
I was waiting for him to turn broadside. I was going to shoot him, but he never, never gave us a shot. Um, but to see that country, to experience it, it, it grabs a hold of you like nothing else does. And uh, so after my first hunt there in 2013, I knew I had to get back. And, you know, I saved for years to do the doll sheep and, and I'll do it again eventually, but it wasn't in the cards for anytime soon, you know, coming up. So mm -hmm. next best thing is do it yourself. Right. So, uh, my buddy Philip and I, we went on a do it yourself moose hunt over there and, uh, and so we spent, I think it was 18 days there. God. Something crazy. <laughs> it was something oh crazy. My God. And you want to talk about a ripe smelling tent. You want to talk about misery. You want to talk about, you name it, we experienced it, you know. I, I just, mean, just thinking about the fact that they're, at that point, when you're like, you're getting dropped off by a plane and there is no go back to the truck. There's nothing. And regroup. There is that, nothing. That it's, opportunity is it's, there. It's we'll see you in so many days. And if and, you, yeah. And if you have and if, to call that's them if the weather's time, good. Right. Right. You know, and that's, that's a huge oh. factor there. Um, my first year hunting there, I got picked up, um, on, you know, cause they'll have, so you fly, let's say you fly to Fairbanks. From Fairbanks, there's two or three flight companies that'll fly you to the little villages up north. Okay. Okay. And so I get on this plane in a little village called Coldfoot, Alaska. Okay. And uh, I get on this plane with these guys, and they're from Hanford. Really? <laughs> they're from Hanford. So it's kind of funny how that worked out. That's crazy. Yeah. But on the plane with these guys, they asked me, they said, oh, what were you hunting? You know, and. So we got to shooting the shit. Well, they tell me, they say, yeah, when you get to Fairbanks, you're going to hear about a guide getting mauled by a grizzly. That was our guide. So they tell me the story about this. Oh, my God. <laughs> they tell me the story about this. And after the guide got chewed up, they couldn't get in a plane to get him for 72 hours. So this is the guide you were going to meet. No, 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 no. Oh, okay. I was flying home. Oh, okay. okay. I was flying home. Gotcha. These guys were hunting caribou on the northern end of the brooks. Oh, my God. They got picked up before I did. And so on their way home, they picked me up on our way to Fairbanks. Yeah. And they were telling me on the plane. Oh, man. Yeah. But, I mean, that's the thing over there. Your, your mother nature is the sale. I mean, mm -hmm. you know... When when I went on my caribou hunt in 2016, you know, I was stuck or we were stuck in a village for three or four days. We lost three or four hunting days just because of weather. Wow. And, you know, you go to Alaska, you just, you plan on extra time just because of weather. I mean, you have to. Okay, Every yeah. time I have been there. You know, uh, like I said, our, our, our caribou hunt, we lost three or four days in that village. And, and uh, you know, the, the bad thing was, you know, I think a, a bottle of beer over there in that village was like eight bucks a bottle. Oh, God. <laughs> so it was an expensive alcohol tab. <laughs> but, uh, 
you know, the, the really bad part was, you know, we had to be, you know, we had set days. We all had to be back at work. So we had 48 hours to kill four caribou. Yeah. Oh my God. You got cut down to 48 hours. 48 hours. (laughs) Yep. Yep. So yeah, I can, uh, it can, (laughs) Alaska is a different animal. You know, like I said, after it just, there's something about it. It just grabs a hold of you what? and, and especially being there with the bow, you know, it just, what do you do like on the reverse of that? If weather stops them from picking you up, are you overpacking so, food or are you just like, I'm catching some fish somewhere? Or you what? can, you can try to catch uh grayling or, or, you know, as long as you have a fishing license, that's the thing. Alaska don't screw around. You know, I mean, um, fish and game are out in force, you know, they'll, they'll come land in your village in the, or in your camp, you know, in a helicopter or a plane and check you guys out, fly your carcasses. The wanton waste there is massive. They do not give any leeway on wanton waste. You leave anything on that carcass, <laughs> you're done. Um, so yeah, as far as you know, food, if you get stuck in there, um, you know, I know of sheep hunters that have just, you know, they've eaten half their sheep by the time they got out. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, I mean, it's... You know, if, there was uh, uh, another guy I know when Philip and I were on our moose hunt. Um, they were hunting just, just north of us, and they got stuck in there 21 days past their pickup day. Holy shit. Yeah. So... What's the... What? Weather, wind, I mean... <laughs> I don't I, even know I what can't, to ask. I can't, like... I can't tell you. Um, they actually posted a video. It's a, There's a cool YouTube video they posted. Um, his name is uh, Matt Galland. Uh, but they were just north of us, and they got stuck in there. I want to say it was 21 days past their pickup date. And uh, it was something in regards to the way the lake was they were hunting on. Um, the way the wind was coming in on it, they couldn't land on the lake. So they had to wait for the winds to change. It was it was something like that. Oh my God, but no. yeah, these guys were contemplating walking out. Um, you know, they, they got it down to, you know, it was like a hundred and some odd miles to the nearest road. And they figured they could do, you know, so many miles a day. They, I mean, they were breaking it down to get out. And uh, ended up getting picked up and, and brought out. But, yeah, I mean, oh yeah, as, as far as Alaska goes, it's it's one of the most spectacular, beautiful, amazing places I've ever hunted. But you have to plan for the worst. You know, and, and you know, I've been over there three years or three different times now. Sheep, caribou, moose. And... Uh, I can't wait to go back, period. Um, I think my next trip over there is probably going to be the Sitka Blacktails on Kodiak in November with the bow. Awesome. That's that's the plan. We'll oh, see. Oh, man, November in Alaska just sounds wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I had a few friends go over there. Well, Steve Walters was one of them. He went on that trip with them. But, okay, yeah. Um, yeah, they, you know, I... Got a few friends that live in Wasilla that, you know, we've talked about it. And 
So I, I think that's going to be my next Alaska trip. That's wow. That sounds like a blast. I mean, yeah, it, it's, it's crazy to think that that's, that's the consequence of things going wrong. Oh, it can, I mean, it's, it's not like hunting here. That's a whole nother level. Just thinking about how, how I've prepared and felt for, to go for 10 days. And then to think um, something, it, it's, there's a, a good, decent possibility that you could be stuck there for just another 10 mm-hmm. that you didn't you didn't plan on plan on yeah Uh. (laughs) yeah well funny i mean funny little story about our moose hunt so we got dropped off on wheels um you know they alaska you're either dropped off on skids on the water or you're Uh dropped off on wheels right okay um so we got dropped off on wheels in this dry lake bed and uh set up camp and hunted from there and at the end of our hunt, after we tagged out, I Philip killed his bull. Um, like I said, it was day 12, 13. I mean, it was... We went a long time without seeing anything. First animal we saw was the bull he killed. And uh, fortunately, he killed it on a lake where they could land a plane and pick it up. And uh, so, killed his bull... A few days later, we killed mine, called to get flown out, and uh, they made a deal with us, They, you know, because it was raining the entire time we were there almost. So that dry lake bed wasn't a dry lake bed anymore. Okay. So they said, all right, you know what? Pack, pack the camp around to the lake and we'll pick you up. So we spent, I don't know, 10, 12 hours packing this camp all the way. It was bright three quarters of a mile a mile but if you've ever walked in tundra in alaska you'll know how miserable that that short distance really is you know imagine filling a doughboy pool full of straw and water and just walking across it yeah it's it's like doing high knees at football practice all day long (laughs) so So it's it's one step just oh yeah just sponge it's just sponge so we get Everything packed over there. Call them up. Hey, we got everything over here. Come pick us up. So probably about 1030 at night. You know, mind you, Alaska, it don't get dark at all, really. I mean, I think starting the end of August, they start losing 15 minutes a day, whatever it is. But um, when we were there on our moose hunt, you know, I think moose start September 10th. I know sheep's August 10th. Um, but anyways, it was pretty much light until two thirty in the morning. Then it was light back at five. It was very, Tis. very short period of dark. And, uh, so about ten thirty at night, we hear a super cub off in the distance, which is, you know, a bush plane in Alaska. Okay. And sweet. We're getting picked up, you know, getting everything ready, you know, excited to get the hell out of there after being there so long. They fly over, circle us, fly back, and I see a hand sticking out the window, and they drop a bag. Supplies for more days. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) How 
does that moment feel? I mean, oh, that was a kick in the oh. dick, man. That was a kick in the dick. I mean, it was like uh, he and I were uh, talk about at breaking points. We were at breaking points. You know, I mean, I I came out of there with trench foot. Um, well, what is that? Where like- you where your foot start the flesh off your foot starts peeling like like world war one yeah exactly oh my god (laughs) exactly so um yeah the whole i mean my whole foot was just peeling and i mean it was just gnarly and uh so you know only thing philip cared about was he was out of marlboro's so, <laughs> so he told him, if you're dropping, make sure you drop cigarettes. <laughs> they didn't drop cigarettes. He oh, wasn't happy. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, all in all, I mean, we look back on it and laugh now. Yeah. You know, I mean, but that's, that's what the adventure's about, man. You yeah. know, I mean, that's why I think I love Alaska so much. I mean, is, is the adventure. You never know what's going to happen there. You never know, you know, from a delayed trip to a delayed pickup to, I mean, our caribou hunt, we had, like I said, 48 hours. It might have been 36, um, but I want to say 48, 48 hours to kill four caribou. And uh, the first opening morning or, you know, the first as soon as we could hunt, because you can't hunt the same day you fly in Alaska. So, yeah, you can't. Um, So, you know, we were there August, whatever, 13th, 14th. So it was light, you know, almost 24 hours. And and the bull I killed, I'm sitting there watching him through the spotting scope until I got tired enough to go to bed. Woke up. I mean, I probably slept an hour, two hours. Woke up. He was still right there. Philip and I took off around and and uh, they ended up where they bedded you know I was able to come over the top of them I mean it's wide open tundra there is no broken terrain there is no trees there's no nothing so yeah. as far as archery hunting it good luck and uh, I just caught a break and, and caught this bull in a spot where he was stalkable yeah. And uh he and one other big bull bedded up um just right under this plateau. So we went all the way around the lake and it was probably I mean as a crow flies he was a half mile from camp. But going around the lake, it's probably about two miles, three miles. Um got above him on a knob and uh made the stock, made a perfect shot. The other bull that he was with whirled around down towards the water. So Mm -hmm. I dropped my bow, ran down hill to kind of round him back towards Philip, who's waiting for him with a gun. So got him, because caribou will swim. They'll swim across the lake. Oh, wow. So I wanted to keep him from going in the water. Okay. Um, Got him going back towards land, and uh, he got shot. So right there, within two minutes of me shooting my bull, we had two bulls down. Wow. And then uh, our uh, buddies, Matt and Coy, 
um, were over, went another direction, and they killed one bull. They could have killed two, but one of them felt it was too far from camp, so he didn't want to shoot one. Um, So I think he ended up killing his the night before we were leaving out. Um, But, I mean, that was... What a push to just yeah it was have that time limit it was it was uh hey we're here we have a time limit to get this done we got all this daylight we can sleep when it's over yeah and uh fortunately for us opening morning was such a huge success um you know it it didn't come down to that um but we were ready to write it out if it needed to, you know. Yeah. And, and that's the thing yeah, about over there is I've, I've hiked into places at 10 o'clock at night. And mm-hmm. it's daylight, just like noon here. It, bright. You're not tired. You don't feel it because it's not getting dark. Yeah. It doesn't feel like bedtime. How, how Do you try to keep yourself on a clock? So you no, can... I just... When you wake up there, you wake up, and then you hunt, you know, so. So, I mean, are the animals, so, with the sun up all the time, too, I mean, is it, are are all the animals on their own different clocks, you know, and, I mean, when are they sleeping? Middle of the day. Yeah. You know, that's, um, you know, just like high country bucks, the sheep are bedding up high and Mm -hmm. doing their thing. Um, you know, as far as the bear and everything else, I couldn't tell you. Caribou are constantly on the move. I mean, they're just passing through. You know, it was a trip. Uh, day. So when we landed, we had caribou all around us. Mm-hmm. Um, the morning I killed my bull, caribou all around us. That next day, it was like somebody flipped a light switch. None. Really? Yeah, it was unreal. Unlike anything I've ever are seen. They, are they moving? They're just migrating, yeah. They're yeah. migrating north to south. So, really? Yeah. Oh, wow, man. That that gives me a lot to think about for... No, it's a fun hunt. And, and that's like the that, thing man. is all these hunts are very doable for your everyday person like myself. Or, yeah. You know, you just have to get off your ass and do it. Yeah. You know, nobody else is going to put in the work for you. Nobody else is going to, you know, there's a lot of work involved. Mm-hmm. But with the right mindset, with the right group of people, it's very possible. What What's that look like? I mean, when you get into the price of something like this, I mean, anyone can figure out what their tags are going to cost. Um when you figure out how to get a plane and how to get someone to drop you off? Bush flights are what costs. Uh, you know, I think uh, for our caribou hunt, our bush flight was 2000 bucks a person. Oh, my God. Really? Yeah. Oh, those guys are balling, huh? Oh, yeah. No, they are. And, and you know, but that's I, the only way to get in there. It's That's a dangerous job, too. I mean... Oh, yeah. They're... You know, They're putting I'm, themselves on the line out there too. Exactly, for sure, and so. I think we were, well, we were a three or four hour bush flight, and so, I mean, the the pilot we had take us in on our moose hunt the year after crashed his plane and died. My you know, God. in the same plane we were in, you know, took it down. They, they, uh, you know, because they they don't fly by instrument over there, they fly by sight. 
Wow. But uh, yeah, the uh, the pilot that flew Philip and I in the following year um, got in an accident, got hit by another plane, I believe it was, and uh, he died. A client died, and an alpha, a guide died. My God. Yeah, but it's it's no joke over there. It's. Wow. Yeah, it's. <laughs> that's why you pay the the bush flights cost yeah you know but you figure by the time you know i was said and done with the caribou you're a few thousand in it by the time you add up your flight from here to fairbanks and mm-hmm. you know your bush flight and all that so it adds up but when you're looking at you know let's say a twenty five thousand dollar moose hunt up there with a guide well you can do it for a quarter of that so yeah when you look at that you know, it's not all that much. You know, a couple years of saving. You're you right, right. I mean, it's not the trip for everybody that you can do every year. Exactly. What, um, something I've been, when when I've been looking into even just other out-of-state stuff lately, and I'll, I'll check flights and look at that situation and be like, oh, you know, I've got my pack and all my gear. I'm going to pay the extra weight for that. And, and it could actually be a cheaper trip if I do this flight instead. But then I never even know where to begin with shipping the meat back. What what does something like that look like? Like well, it, it depends. Like Alaska. So Alaska, um, I think it costs me five hundred dollars to ship my meat back. Um, you have services such as Alaska Air Cargo. So Alaska Airlines has their own freight company that you can ship meat with. Um, you know, um, FedEx does, you know, and they're very pricey, but they'll do, uh, deliveries from Alaska as well. Yeah. Um, but I think the, the most financially, suitable option i guess Mm -hmm. would be alaska air cargo um as long as your airport has a terminal that allows it fresno's does um oh really yeah so you know our antlers our our uh our hides um everything we flew in alaska air cargo so are you paying uh, by weight or are you just paying by space or something like that yeah okay it's by pallet so i mean you're saving it probably costs a third less doing it that way where fedex was almost a thousand dollars you know because you figure they got to overnight it yeah you know especially the meat and uh so you know these that's more of what i've heard like just out of state stuff like yeah you're looking at like a grand to get that yeah new mexico i've 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 shipped from new mexico before on one of my bucks and it was like 200 bucks you know so any any meat you know because of the weight number one number two the size and how fast you got to get it Mm -hmm. it's gonna cost so anytime you can bring it back with you that's the best way to do it yeah and i mean that's what i've been doing but i'm also starting to see you know like the value of those days to me that and the the extra time i can save on a flight Mm -hmm. i i it's i think it's worth the cash value to me you know well not only that but you can you can you can actually if you have time process your meat enough to where you can take it on the plane with you 
So when I came back from my moose hunt, I brought both tenderloins and both back straps in a box on the plane with me. Really? Yep. You just, it's like... Just shipped him as cargo. Or, you know, just a, just another bag. And, uh... So how do you, how do you freeze that fast enough and all that? Well, over there, um, the hangar had a freezer in it. So they were in the freezer for a little bit. Um, but... You know, that's, that's the thing is you would, it all comes down to logistics, Mm -hmm. you know? So before you go over there, you, you have to, have to, have to have a plan on what you're going to do, how you're going to get stuff home, um, from every little detail, you know, things as small as food in the field, how you're going to get it, you know, um, camp stuff, you know, like we went on a caribou hunt. So we took majority of the stuff from home. And then we went to Sportsman's Warehouse and got the final and then walked right next door to Walmart and got our food for the week, you know. Okay, yeah. And then And then from there, boxed it up, crated it up, and went, you know, on our next flight into the village and then our bush flight. So it's all about logistics. Yeah. Alaska is – it can be a logistical nightmare um, unless you know somebody – that has done it, um, or somebody over there that can help you out. Um, but being a first timer going over there, I highly, highly recommend talking to somebody that's done it. Yeah. Period. Wow. Yeah, that God, that gives me so much to kind of go over for that, and <laughs> it's it's a lot to think about and. I'm still I still want to do it. I it's still such a bucket list thing for me and It's it once you do it once you'll do it as many times as you can. Yeah. And I mean I you of all people understand too like we've already kind of mentioned it but trying to squeeze the time out for something like this having having a day job and I mean and then I'm I'm trying to do all the target archery stuff as well. Yeah. Which I'm sure was very easy for you to be like, yeah, I'm not wasting my time. With well, this see, and anymore. that was, that was, I mean, so, you know, let me backtrack a little bit uh-huh. to saying target archery wasn't my, I, I enjoyed it. Um, and, and, you know, I had fun, but did you, like I said, I would rather be on the mountain. Right. So my deal is, okay, I can take, let's say 10 days off a year for tournaments, right? Mm-hmm. Or I can take those 10 days and spread them out for my hunts yeah what do i pick yeah so you know um that was that was a big thing for me um you know i have fun with it you know and and all that but i just felt for me um the smarter decision was moving that time yeah into my hunts yeah i mean ultimately i mean do you feel you got getting a little technical and getting into tournaments and target archery for the time you did, did, did you see an effect on your, your, at least your skills shooting a bow in the field when you're hunting? Um, I mean, are you, you know, you were already kind of out of spot. You'd... I was already kind of out of, I feel, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that say they shoot target archery to hunt better or mm-hmm. shoot better while hunting. I disagree. Really? I do. I that's mean, the, I mean, I think, I think there really is, there is, there is certain things that yes, they do fall into play, and 
unless you're a target or or have experience with target archery or have shot with somebody um you know hence you know shooting in high wind situations can't your bow into the wind you know there's Mm -hmm. there's certain tricks that yeah you learn yeah but to me and and I know I'll get flack for saying this, but I could care less. No, it's fine. Drawing back on an animal uh-huh. is totally different than a piece of paper. You know, uh, oh, I don't to, think you'd get any me, flack for that. I to mean, me, yeah. I mean, it doesn't compare. Uh-huh. To me, shooting 3Ds doesn't even come close. Shooting, you know, I mean, I had fun going to shoots, and I, I'm still going to go to Reading this year. And, oh, cool. And, and do that stuff. But, but as far as the it making you i i don't think anything makes you better at hunting than hunting if that makes sense so and i mean i i think for most people it's um i i guess it is kind of a loose like a blanket thing to say it makes you a better hunter because really, it makes you a better archer. Yes. Okay. Now that's different. And I and think I that's actually, what most people mean by that. I actually wrote an article. Um, it was called. It's called "Practicing for Success." Um, but it it talks about the things I do. You know, uh-huh. prior to hunting season. Um, you know the different things. You know, I do personally, um, in terms of shooting and and stuff like that um but i mean like i said the tournament stuff is a blast and and yes it does make you a better archer absolutely but what i've noticed more so is you could be the best archer in the world and and uh you know you you put an animal in front of them and it's game over it's you know they they can't hit it they can't you know where you get guys that can keep composure and, and you know have that killer mentality I guess or ice in their veins however people want to mm-hmm. describe it and and are able to handle the situation make or execute a good shot and and are able to follow it through you know yeah. watch the arrow connect and you know they're not pulling their head out they're not dropping their bow to try you know you know all the little things that happen i mean yeah. you know i i think for myself what i've noticed too like with with target archery um i i've had situations um where i where i've drawn on animals um and didn't have the opportunity to shoot or whatever else. I, I did have one uh, uh, time on a buck that was a complete miss. That you know I ranged it wrong. Um, and in those situations, I was surprised with myself how calm I was at taking that shot with my bow. And I started to think that that's very connected to just repetition of shooting a bow and how often I've done that. And granted, I can also say I, I got my heart pounding the most it's ever been uh, was this year, just thinking that there was an elk that was supposed to be walking out twenty mm-hmm. yards in front of me because his cows were and and I saw him and thought he was coming out, and somehow that 
that jackass slipped below me already. And when we called at him, he was already a hundred yards below us. But, um, I, the reason I really thought that connected back to my target archery was because when I put a rifle in my hands, I, I, my heart pounds and I can't slow that sight down. Yeah. I, I can I feel like I can hold a bow on an animal better than I can hold a rifle. Even with, uh, even with the, the sticks, mm-hmm. you know, setting it on sticks and it, what I, I don't know what else that could be. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I can agree with you there. Um, I've killed a lot more with a bow than a gun. You know? No. And, uh, I think, I think there is fundamentals of target archery that do fall, you know, like I said, you know, little tricks you learn. Yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, that's um, fantastic and, and, and stuff that I wouldn't have learned without mm-hmm. doing that. Um, but in the big scheme of things, I just, I'm kind of torn on. you know shooting foam versus shooting fur i guess you could yeah. say you know i mean well i mean, i don't think i would I, say I, you're I, torn I, I mean i think you have a passion that that again i i don't blame you at all for as much as you love hunting choosing to spend those 10 days that that maybe you maybe you had 10 days set aside for hunting and you have another 10 that you're thinking i can do these tournaments this would be great uh-huh. or oh i could do more hunting Exactly, and you know, that that makes a that 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 is the truth. I mean, the only know. reason I scratch that time out and make sure I have it for the tournaments is because I I think I got a similar passion for that that you did for hunting. Yeah, for you it was all hunting coming in. You know, it, it kind of relates because you're shooting a bow, you're doing a similar thing. But I know exactly what you mean, man. I mean, I've still. I've never experienced something at a tournament as fun, as exciting, as heart pounding, as drawing on an animal. Oh yeah, no, and and like I said, I mean, I've had you know to have hunts that that get down to the wire, and you're just down, and and you just grind it through, and it it just, I mean, there is no better feeling, yeah, than you know down to the wire last down the last hours minutes and pulling it out and becoming successful you know i mean yeah. it isn't all about success and and right. you know but on the same note it makes it that much nicer so when you're able to go from being in just a slump and you know you just want to throw in the towel and Mm-hmm. You decide, you know what? I'm going to check this last basin, or make an attempt to stalk this buck, or whatever the case may be. And it it works out, you know. Yeah. It's just there's nothing like it. There is nothing like it, you know. And and I just I live for it. Period. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean it. Um. I think too with the with the jumping back and forth. Um, 
I, you know, I think a lot lately about what we were just saying about people who believe target archery makes a better hunter and, um, so many people jump into hunting that I wish would spend the time at tournaments learning how to make a bow shoot really good. Oh yeah. And it comes down to people no, I'm, doing I'm, some unethical shit. I am very, very, very pro that comment. Yeah. Um, I see it all the time. Um, yeah. Guys that have no business hunting, you know, I mean, yeah. guys that, I mean, I've seen, you name it, I've seen it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when a guy's shooting a pie plate at 20 yards, it's like, really? Yeah. You're going to go hunting? And, or, or, you know, guys that, you know, they'll go shoot, you know, field points all day long and, and, uh, you know, then they'll slap some broadheads on and think they're going to just go hunting. You know, that's, that's probably the number one I see. Yeah. And for me, when I shoot, you know, let's say a fixed blade broadhead, that's all I shoot. I don't shoot anything else. Mm -hmm. And then before I go hunt. I use the same ferrule, same arrow. I just change the blades. So, you know, the, you know, as far as any knock turning I needed to do, everything is, is nice and tight and it's right there. And, and I'm confident in every arrow, you know, and very few people do that kind of stuff. And I do think that somewhat comes from the target side of things. Yeah. Um, but uh, but as far as people knowing their equipment, knowing how to shoot, I, I mean, you know, just like my buck in New Mexico two years ago, two years ago or a year ago, I won't I won't specify the distance on record, <laughs> but uh, it was definitely the farthest buck I ever killed, and yeah. and with the circumstances, I felt confident in the shot. And and, it, and and my equipment to make the shot. Right. And that probably, I'm assuming that wasn't the first time you've ever shot an arrow at that distance. No, like, no. Because I, I shoot, I, I try to shoot at 100 yards regularly. Yeah. And, uh, and it sucks that you have to feel that way that I can't, I don't want to say what this distance was because I, you know, yeah, they, people are going to go crazy. Everybody has their idea of what, what's ethical. And, and it's, you can't, you can't say what, what's ethical for another hunter. I can say what's ethical when you talk about that pie plate at 20 yards guy, because I know most of the time that guy is so new into it that he's going to be shooting like that. And, he's going to take that shot at 60 that he knows he's not, not going to connect. Yeah, he's going to hope for the best. Yeah, he's going to just fling it. And yeah. that's that's even worse. That Well, that is a million times worse than what you see from the guy online who, who has practiced that 100-yard shot a million times and knows he can take it in the right scenario. Exactly. You know, and... and you know, between practicing and, and knowing your equipment, I mean, it, it all comes, comes into play, Yeah. you know, and, 
and I, I think that's what a lot of people fail to see. You know, they'll just go into the shop and I know I was talking to Brian the other day and he had mm-hmm. a dad and son come in and buy a bow and just started shooting and we're going hunting that yeah. weekend. We're going it's tomorrow. Like, Can you set this up? Yeah, I mean. Dude, no, I can't. Like, <laughs> it's just, it boggles my mind, you know. I mean, you owe it to the animal to, I mean, put in the work. Yeah. You know? I mean, you're going to take its life. You owe it to him to be as efficient as you can. Yeah, and and maybe I'm not seeing it, but I don't feel like people buy a new rifle and then just go out and hunt and don't spend the time at the range knowing what they're accurate with, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I I don't know why people feel like it's okay to do that with a bow, but, yeah. Couldn't tell you. (laughs) I could not tell you. (laughs) Um, Well, so... There, there's one other thing I wanted to kind of touch base on if you have a little more time. Um, so, um, as far as backpack hunting goes, I think you're the best person to answer this. You don't have to go too in-depth uh-huh. on this right now. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> what, from what, from the questioning I'm getting with a lot of friends who are just getting into it, What's the what's the best starting point, just this most straightforward, simple stuff to start with, knowing that you're doing a, a, a backyard, you know, D7 local hunt, or, you know, that's where you're starting, doing some backcountry stuff. Um, you know, maybe where do you not overdo it? Where do you see that you can save a little money and um well i mean you can always save money um going to events like rei has their garage sales um buying used stuff yeah um you know but there's a few areas i won't skimp number one is my sleep system sleeping bag and and tents yeah um stoves um there's a thousand different options you can do for a stove mm-hmm. um you know you can spend as much as 200 250 dollars but you can spend as little as 60 dollars you know or you can you can set it up to where you're not taking in a stove you know you're you're doing you know certain foods that you don't need to boil water for really um wait what would that be tunas uncrustables okay stuff like that oh wow um you know if it's a couple day trip yeah i'll do that all day long then you're saving you know 10 ounces 12 ounces on a stove number one oh yeah number two you know you're you're you know not having to spend the money if if that's an issue right um as far as packs go um osprey um, makes a decent pack um, they're at REI. There's there's a few others, um, but you know you got to remember, you get what you pay for. So, yeah. you know where you skimp now, you're gonna regret later. At you know in certain certain aspects of things. Um, That's where I I I keep a hard stance on spend the money on the pack. You know there there's even other things like if you get. A, you can get your zero degree sleeping bag on sale. Well, it's probably going to be too hot for a bunch of stuff, but I was gonna it'll say, get you through. It'll be a little heavy, but again, you don't 
Well, you don't you don't always need down. You can go synthetic. That'll save you money. Right. Um, anything around here, twenty degree bag is sufficient. That's yeah. that's all I use. That's what is I a switched 20 degree. up to for this. Um, yeah. But yes, yeah, synthetic filling versus down. You know, down. You know, and not so much here, um, but in climates that have a lot of moisture, mm-hmm. down is not so good. Okay. Um, you know, or climbing into your bag wet. I can't tell you how many times I've climbed in soaking wet and, you know, just to dry my clothes out for the morning. Yeah. Um, but doing that with down isn't, it's not good. Um, it, it does have, you know, some great qualities to it. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when you can use something like, uh, you know, one of Kafaru's slick bags or, you know, that's what I use. Um, but, uh, it's got what an apex climate shield synthetic insulation, but it's like one, uh, it works fantastic, mm-hmm. but they're, you know, that, that again is pricey. Yes. Um, but you know, there's big Agnes makes, you know, a couple decently priced bags that was my first Um, bag yeah um you know rei has their own brand of bags um but if i was looking to save money it would definitely i would definitely be on forums such as rock slide um looking in their classifieds you can find some good deals in there rei's garage sale yeah um you know and uh, those are probably the only two places I can think of off the top mm-hmm. of my head where you could get quality backpacking gear at you know decent check eBay yeah um, but yeah definitely places I don't skimp well I try not to skimp across the board now right um, you know especially you know traveling places and, and backpack hunting from there you know you you know, you, you don't want to be in Colorado or Alaska and, and just have something to get you by, you know, you want to, you want to be there, you know. It's, I, and I understand it's a weird, kind of a weird question just because like what I'm getting at is I think of, um, like my first year compared to now, the gear I bought now each year I'm trying to buy more, um, a newer version of something I had that's from a company in the industry trying to support all of our hunting companies, uh-huh. you know, and getting away from the REI stuff I bought or whatnot, you know, which is my preference. I'm trying to support us, but, um, you know, I'm, I did the math on it the other day and I think the first year I did it, I, I was lucky enough to you know be working a lot of hours and had the money to just pull the trigger on this but i think i spent for my first hunt first backpack hunt i between gear and the trip itself um i was i was creeping pretty close to four grand (laughs) yeah um and I mean, maybe that's just the way it is. Maybe that's, that's the way it's got to I mean, be. I you mean, know, 
maybe a good piece of advice for people is if you're starting to consider doing something like this, start gathering some stuff now. Exactly. A little at a time goes a long ways. You know, I mean, you know, you can, you know, you figure you buy, let's say a water pump and a stove at one time and, Mm -hmm. you know, you plan out a year in advance, you're good. You know, let's say you're planning for next season. You just buy a little bit here, a little bit there. And, and when the time comes, you know, you're not like you did, just lump everything out. Right. You know, it, it just came in little spurts and, and you're sitting good. You know? it, yeah. And it, it, it was in my mind a lot. Cause I, you know, I, I had a lot of friends that after I got into it and posted some pictures and talked to them about, it, they wanted to do it and they're like, Oh, take me with you. Even just some local stuff here. And I'm like, okay, well, what do you have? What gear do you have? And, oh, you know, my dad's got some stuff. I'm going to end. I'm like, no, I don't think, I don't think you understand, man. Right. <laughs> you can't I just remember, grab a backpack. I remember the first time I, quote, packed into somewhere. <laughs> I used a Bass Pro Shops bag with no frame. And I had cans of Campbell's soup in it. <laughs> that thing probably weighed 80 pounds. It was the stupidest thing I ever did in my life. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean... It, <laughs> but I thought I was cool doing it. Hey, you you made it. I think maybe that's the takeaway from it. You made it in, you made it Touché. out. Touche. <laughs> Touche. Interesting. Well, um, yeah, I mean, um, I, I, hope, I hope that can kind of answer some of it for for the people that have been talking to me lately it's um well and any questions they have or you have i'm i'm always a phone call away so yeah and i um i definitely want to uh do another one of these with you and i want i want you to just geek out and get technical man we can do that i'm at that point now where i'm i'm past some of the basic stuff and the first step stuff I've bought and now I want to get technical on stuff and you know I'm 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 trying to buy one thing every month oh you know (laughs) I'm just leading into season you know oh yeah and oh and I also I (laughs) I have to give a credit to you anybody who's heard me go on a rant about backpackers pantry food compared to mountain house is I I ran into you at sportsman's warehouse one day I was picking up some food and I think I had some backpackers pantry and you were like, no, just get the mountain house, man. The backpackers takes longer to cook. And I, I kind of listened and I still bought like three or four of them. So at some point in my trip, I had to eat it. And, and I didn't realize it was not only is it just five, 10 minutes longer. No, it's like 10 minutes longer per 5,000 feet of elevation Plus, each meal was different. I didn't know every meal was different, too. So I sat, I swear to God, I had one meal that I think I I just started eating early because it was like like a 45-minute, 50-minute cook time or something. And, yeah, and I, I learned my lesson the hard way from that. So. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I, so many people have 
heard me not shut up about that. Like, don't buy that shit. That backpacker's pantry is horrible. It's, it takes more water. It takes... <laughs> yeah. See, this year I started uh, doing the own dehydrating my own meals. That that was nice. It will definitely need to talk about that too. Because yeah. that's something I want to get into. So yeah. I'm, I'm glad now I can reference you for that. Um, so, uh, yeah, we, I think... I think uh, we probably definitely answered a lot of questions and man you had some fucking awesome adventures so thank you i appreciate you sitting down with me um and yeah we'll line up some more in the future sounds good i appreciate it uh is is there anything uh where can everyone find you on social media and all um, that good stuff? actually uh Let's see, social media, uh, Facebook, just Sean Smith, and uh, Instagram, Sean Smith, but Smith with two eyes. Um, other than that, no Twitter, no no nothing else. Okay, yeah, you might have to change something up there. There's probably, I'm guessing there's a few Sean Smiths on the internet. I know. <laughs> well, I, it used to be Muley Nut One, and I might change it back. Yeah, I remember we'll see. that. Okay, there we'll you go. We'll see, I might, I might just change it right back. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah. That's, All right. that's where I am. Very cool. All right. I appreciate it. And thank you, everybody, for listening.